Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast edition. Week six in the books, and it was crazy. Crazy, I tell you mwire.com that's our website and thank you for all the fans who have interest in hawaii for checking us out you're very much appreciative appreciated i should say i'm jeremy moss matt kennerly hanging out over there and you said this is the best conference is because the entertainment value over the weekend that was your, your tweet you put out correct that is correct do you still stand by it's the best conference in a variety of metrics yeah i absolutely do what are those metrics a lot of people know well i mean to kind of follow up on what you just said people want to watch fun football and you know we'll talk about hawaii oh, you know, a little bit later in this podcast but hawaii's fun to watch this year uh not last night but we'll get to that too well, well they were interesting last night there you go it was still entertaining in its own right and i think that you know what the story of this particular week our week six recap is all about is you know a lot of things not necessarily going to the script going you know with the script that we all thought that it would. No, because we're almost, this won't be a mid midway show. We may have some stuff this week on Monday about, Hey, mid season stuff, but like Hawaii six and one. No, nobody thought that in the world. Hawaii's three and oh in conference. Yeah. Three and oh in conference. Who would have thought air force would be this bad. Utah state. Nobody really knew what to expect of them. So they're just kind of stuck at third or fourth. They're now basically averaging 50 points a game and look to, like an argument, argument could be made. I didn't put them number one, but argument could be made. They're the best team in the conference. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think you could. I mean, also something, something like the fact that Boise State and Colorado State, who oh, yeah. got a lot of preseason helium right now, at least as far as conference standings are concerned, they're both looking up at New Mexico in the standings. <laughs> Can I tell you this? I was one of the guys who did not like Colorado State, so whatever that means. That's true. I'll give you credit for that. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's been – and then quarterback stuff. Let's just kind of start with that. We'll roll that into week six because as we, I was thinking about before, I'm like, there was a lot of quarterback news because you did the quick post tie games. You apparently – he only missed one day of practice this week. Didn't play. Didn't suit up for the game against Fresno. Cole McDonald was apparently some unspecified game – not game time, but game day decision to not play. You well, had, was, and, and that was really interesting. Can I just speak on that for yeah, a moment? Yeah, go for it. Because, you know, I was trying to, to find more substantiated sources besides the, the one that we ultimately cited in the article. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I could find, which was a little bit startling, was from, from some Twitter user who didn't even have like a like an avatar or anything like that. It was one of the new eggs, not the eggs, of, but the new egg. The, 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 the egg, not eggs. Yeah. And you know, he and I believe his name is Mike. I don't remember the last name or if there was a last name, <laughs> but he said that he had talked to Cole McDonald and that there was internal bleeding of some kind. Oh, and I was like, well, wait a second. Like that might be significant. Um, you know, something, something to certainly keep an eye on, not only for this week, but you know, if it's a lingering issue, you know, we could be seeing more of Chevin Cordero in the weeks to come, but it was just one of those things where it was like, yeah, there were, everything was framed as like a rumor starting about 60 minutes before kickoff. And then you started seeing more and more buzz about it on Twitter. 
And then lo and behold, you know, about half an hour before game time, it comes out that McDonald is in fact officially out. And of course, they don't tell us what it's all about, but you know, it was just one of those things. Yeah, it's interesting. I should look. I should have listened to the press conference. I doubt Rolovich would say much, but we'll get to we'll get to that game later. We don't need to discuss them that now. But then other games, like other teams, like just general quarterback stuff. Those are the two big ones. Then you have, I guess, uh, Max Gilliam taking over for Monty Rogers, which was an adventure in its own right. You have Ryan Agnew at San Diego State. So basically, every Colorado State, Mike Bobo being a jerk like he always does, yeah, we'll play two quarterbacks. Like, we're up 28-0. Let's go to Colin Hill. <laughs> it's yeah, just... and, they were like, and people were thinking, does KJ Carter Samuels have a concussion or something? What's going on? Like, they had the close-ups of him on the, on the CBS Sports Network feed without his helmet or things like that. So they were like, is like, he's out for the game for good? No. Mike Bobo was just doing things. Well, we knew. I wrote a quick piece up on the game because they played the late, late game. I'm like, all right, let's get some word out there in the news that we knew Bobo. We knew he's opened up the competition. To not, He meant his quarterback because it's a sexy position, even though, again, that's not the problem with this team at all. But he's like, we're going to play both guys. And so I was watching the box scores, doing a few different things, watching what's going on. I'm like, oh, he's playing well. They're up 20-08, 28-0. I put a jokingly tweet at halftime. Colorado State up 28-0. Q to Mike Bobo switching to Colin Hill just because and I put it like yeah. in parentheses like half kidding no it happened so <laughs> and then it's just the only team that have not missed a quarterback due to injury or benching Utah State with Jordan Love or like a random halfback pass or, I mean the throw pass a guy who's been their main quarterback which are the teams that have been usually pretty good Jordan Love Utah State Mark, Marcus McMarion Fresno State and Brett Rippon at Boise State I'm correct because right. you have Air Force switching quarterbacks. Every other team has had a quarterback issue, and it's crazy. Even San Jose State, they, I they've been bounced around with who they have, but they haven't been consistent with their quarterback play. So that's uh, I'm going to do a piece on that. I think Monday, just because it's interesting of how crazy the quarterback situation is in the conference. Because yeah, both, yeah uh, maybe maybe you need to update your quarterback rankings. Maybe I should start those. So I haven't done those in a while. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I keep saying I will. Maybe it's a good time to do an introduction piece. Like, hey, here's the quarterbacks, and maybe I'll do two posts. We'll see. All right, should we get the games? Let's do it. Utah State, BYU, old wagon wheel. Did you know, Matt, the old wagon wheel is so old, they're not allowed to roll it anymore? I did not know that, but that's amazing. It is, I believe, this is what, the 88th meeting, 90th meeting? Something like that, yeah. Here's the thing. Utah State was playing an extension of last year. First score, pick six. <laughs> no kidding. I'm like, oh, here we go again. I, I chatted with – it ended up being 45-20. I, I know a bunch of buddies who do BYU stuff. I kind of followed the team for some work. I was on some interview with the guys in town here in Salt Lake. Um, they're like, ah, oh, it's a close game. Pick them. Is Coach Wells going to be conservative? I'm like, honestly, going into the game, I felt as a pick them. I thought it would be sort of close. I thought Utah State would win. But – BYU is not very good, and I will stand by my. I can't stand by my two and ten stupid bold prediction, but BYU is not very good. Hey, you know what though? Three and nine still very much it, in play. It is, and if, if it's three and nine, I have all those people on Twitter. I'll go back and fall and find those tweets and say, "Hey, it was a far off, was I?" That's be true. Because I will be petty because how petty they were to me. I had former players. I had people I knew who were giving me garbage. I'm like, first off, if you read the title, it was a dumb, stupid, borderline prediction. More so than our stupid upset picks. And I went mm -hmm. bold. Everybody else is garbage and doing stupid stuff. So, 3-9. and nine. Hey, they play Hawaii next week. 
please let Cole, please let Cole McDonald play. That's why my, my my wish. All right, but this game itself, um, it's it didn't go as expected because the blowout. But look at this, Matt. Like we've said, if Utah State has a running game, they're going to be really good. And they found one, and they ran the ball well. And BYU's offense is terrible. They can't run the ball to save their life. Well, maybe you didn't think it was going to be a blowout. I thought it'd be this... a com- comfortable win. I, I what I mean, blow, I mean ten point victory. I figured it'd be because if you look at the schedule from who Utah State has played, this is probably their second best team. Oh yeah. And so that's why I figured, okay, it's going to be sort of close. But it wasn't. Utah State was ahead twenty one zero. Was it? It was in a contest. So you picked the blowout. I picked. I think I. Well, I didn't do the podcast. I just picked them to cover and win, or obviously both because they won. But I was thinking like maybe a ten point victory, maybe fourteen points. But yeah. See what was what was really interesting about how this game unfolded is that you know Utah State didn't necessarily get a lot of big plays early while they were building that lead. You know, it was I believe it was what twenty one to seven by halftime. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you look at what they did as far as chunk plays are concerned, which are basically just you know passing plays of more than fifteen yards or you know running plays of more than ten yards on the game. They had nine altogether, but do you know how many came before halftime? One. One. And it was the 40-yard pass from Jordan Love to Carson Terrell. Mm-hmm. And then after halftime, it was just, you know, the floodgates opened. And, you know, for as good as the offense was in the first half, which, you know, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, Jordan Love, even though he only finished 18 of 28, 165 yards, did have four touchdowns, and he was also 10 of his first 13. So he was efficient in that first half when they were building their lead. And a rushing touchdown, five total. He will be player of the week again, I'm assuming. He's definitely going to be in the conversation. But it, it wasn't only that, too. It was the fact that the defense stepped up and put the offense in really good positions to succeed. You know, on the game, you know, if you go back and look at the average field position, and a lot of that was driven by the fact that Utah State finished plus three in this matchup, mm-hmm. but the Aggies on average were starting at their own 38 and they started on BYU's side of the field or at their own 40 yard out, excuse me, like one, two, three, four, five different times in that game. And on average, BYU is only starting at their own 25. So they're basically like average field position. And that's, you know, kind of a huge thing, especially early on when the Cougars weren't able to get anything going. Their longest drive among their, you know, before scoring a touchdown later in the first half, they had an 88-yard touchdown drive. But before that, their first five drives combined for like 40 yards and with, with two turnovers. And it was just one of those things where everything was going right for Utah State, kind of like I thought it would. And things just got away from BYU in a hurry. Yeah, they just didn't look good. The, like I said, the running game, they got to uh, Tanner Mango, what, four uh, TFLs? Or just TFLs in general, a couple of QB hurries. Five TFLs, four QB hurries, a sack. Like, they're getting to him. They're Like I said, the interception at pick six. Running game wasn't there at all. It also doesn't help when um, Squally Canada only plays the first half. Leaves, I think, with some injury. However, mm-hmm. he still only had three carries. And so if he's your main back, why is he getting three carries in the first half? Partly because you're down 21-0 and you got to come back. The one concern I have with this Utah State team is how many times they get beat. Like, they could have had, BYU could have had over 400 yards, 400 yards passing in this game. 
They ended up with 322 with the Mango Man, Zach Wilson getting in. But you see how many times like they were just off target just by a little bit for how open guys were? Or they did a purposeful pass interference to only get a 15-yard penalty instead of a big 30-yard play? That's my one big concern when they actually play a good team is if there's a quarterback like, hey, they play Brett Rippin. When he plays well, he can be pretty good. Carter Samuels, when he throws well, going up against Preston Willis, well, uh, Preston there or Obasai Johnson throwing the ball downfield, and those guys get beat, that's a concern when they play those teams because there's too many times they're getting beat downfield. And that's my – like, it's all great. They're doing well one loss, but that's a huge concern. 12 penalties, 125. Those are my – I guess if you want to look at issues because those are big, big deals that could bite them down the road. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if you hadn't brought up penalties, I think that I was going to bring that up as maybe my larger quibble with how this game went out, especially in that first half. When they were building that lead, they had eight of those penalties for 75 yards. So they were a little more disciplined after halftime when, you know, the the, the total yards of offense were mostly even. You know, it was 252 to 225 after halftime. And that was mostly because BYU was just trying to play catch up. You know, they had 210 yards passing after halftime and barely tried to run the ball at all. So, you know, if they can kind of move back toward the national average as far as just being disciplined, if they can prove on what they did in on third down situations like they did in the second half, you know, they were one of five in the first half, four of seven in the second half on third downs. Those are things to me that in the long run are going to make more of a difference because when you kind of step back and look at the whole picture, you know, yeah, and yeah, they were they ended up mostly even as far as like total yards of offense on both sides, but you know, I've talked about success rate and Utah State owned a significant advantage in success rate, forty-seven percent to thirty percent, and they just took more up. They took a better care of the opportunities that they had to score. You know, they had six scoring opportunities, six times past the BYU 40, and they scored over six points per trip. And so as long as they keep doing that, as long as they keep forcing turnovers, and, you know, I think those are the most important things to me to kind of watch going forward. There are, like, yeah, that's – those are the big deals when they play teams that pass. But this game, like, BYU fans are like, oh, we got this. We'll be fine. They'll take care of business. But – like I said, BYU is not very good, and people could tell me other one. I guess the Wisconsin victory was. I still don't want to say it's fluky because they, when I watched part of that, they played well. But it's like I said in the well, the preview nobody heard on my part. It's a BYU's defense can't tackle, especially on the ground game. They are so soft at finding who to get on and find the ball. Like look what it was the basic because Gerald Bright's a good back, but he didn't have the majority of the uh, plays or majority of the yards running the ground. They put Darwin Thompson, who had 109 yards. They allowed – they just couldn't get to them, and they're running the ball well. Love is, again, passing well. It's going to say the same things, but this is a team where, like, I didn't put them number one, but they could be the best team. Have you filled out your power poll this week? I have. Where did you put Utah State? Uh, I think I put them at three, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so went San Diego State, Fresno State, Utah State? No, I had uh, Fresno, oh, San Diego, Utah. Fresno. All right, that's fine. That's fair. No, that, I was just curious because it's uh, – we'll see. They're a great yeah, team. And, it's a, they're fine. Like the, there's just we're nitpicking a little bit, but they're gonna be a contender. Like when they face Boise at the end of the year, this could be uh, Utah State right now has the inside track to host a title game. That's true. I mean, they're still gonna have to beat Boise at some point. You know, just because you know yeah. Boise lost this weekend, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. 
doesn't mean they're out of it yet. Nobody's oh, nobody's, for sure. nobody's really out of it yet. It's still right. Maybe not host. I should sorry. Let me rephrase that. Be the division champion. It's it's um, no conference uh, losses, but BYU Boise has the one, so there's still a lot to play. But it's a week to week game, and as of this week, it's crazy. What's going on? Mm-hmm. All right, so we get to I guess our Saturday slate. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I guess we shall start with uh, my scheduling's weird. What do we go with? What was the first game? It wasn't um, Navy Air Force. Should we do that. Commander in Chief's Trophy. Uh, raise your hand if you saw this coming. Now put it down because you're lying. <laughs> well, raise your hand if if you knew where this team has been all along. I, geez, this team's been just not what we thought they've been. Right? They've been they've been mixed around quarterbacks, injuries. They haven't been exceptionally well running the ball and they did okay this game but the defense man whoo that's true i mean where do you want to start talking about this game i think there's at least two significant defenses or differences excuse me between what we've seen from the falcons in previous weeks and what we saw from them on saturday uh well how they stopped somebody defensively i guess right so we could start there because I think the one thing that jumps out to me, eight tackles for loss and, you know, three and a half by Jordan Jackson along the front lines. And that was something I talked about in the preview is that very quietly, they've been a pretty good about collecting tackles for loss, putting themselves in position to succeed. It was just a matter of, you know, being able to capitalize on those things, you know, when they can put, an opponent into a favorable third down situation. Can they kind of close the deal and get off the field in this particular case? They absolutely did because Navy was only two of 13 on third downs on Saturday. Yeah. Two of 13, third down, one of three third downs. They, they held Navy to only a, only a hundred, like two, barely three yards of carry. Did they eclipse three? It was like 3.1. Uh, uh, yeah. Three, yeah, point, yeah so. three point. Exactly. So, When's the last time Navy's had like under 200 yards rushing as a team? I it'd, it'd be hard pressed to find out outside of playing maybe some, maybe when they play Notre Dame every now and then every year or some bigger team they play. But I was I was fully expecting if you told me the final was 35 seven, I would have said it would have been Navy winning 35 to seven. Oh yeah, I think I think I agree with you on that one. And they started, I guess, stick with the quarterback theme. Um, Hammond got to start once again. He threw six to ten, one forty two. That's Donald Hammond the third. I might add. Mm-hmm. He threw more efficient. That's what you kind of want to see from Air Force quarterback, where they at maybe not ten throws, but that's what twenty five yards in a completion, fourteen yards in attempt. That's how Air Force is going to be really good, especially if the running game isn't going as well. And it went fine this weekend. It went great. It's just that when you can combine both, they're not unstoppable, but that's when they're a really good team. It can beat most teams in the country. Well, and not only that, but you know the fact that. He carried, He handled most of the running workload as well. They ran the ball 55 times, and he had 19 carries, including three touchdowns on the ground. But maybe more importantly, he was, you know, he, he was an, enough of an operator, like I talked about in the preview, to make the other guys succeed as well. You know, Caden Remsburg. You know, even though his longest jar, his longest run was only 19 yards, he averaged four and a half yards per carry. That's a win. You know, he got Joseph Saucier in position to have a 48-yard touchdown run. Uh, you know, Taven Burdo out of the fullback position, he averaged over seven yards carry. And that is a significant step forward. Oh, for sure. Because this team now, two and three. 
I did my bull projections. I did not put Air Force in there because I'm still interested about what they could do because this is just one game. It's a rivalry game, so it's a little bit more juice flowing through the game, right? Mm-hmm. You are coming off three straight losses. They've only beaten an FCS team until this point. Then they crush an AV team who's pretty – they're usually good. They're not as great as they have been. They're what two? They're two and two coming in. They've only – they beat, what, Memphis, who – whatever, and Lehigh. So it's not like their wins are any special. But they put up a ton of – like, you figured if you – we seen them versus Hawaii. They scored 41 points. You figured – Air Force's defense isn't much different than Hawaii and what they probably would allow. And Air Force just stepped up and did it. And so going forward, we'll get more to this game. But I don't, I still have them on my bowl games because they still go to San Diego State. They still go to Army, who looks a bit better. They still got a uh, – well, I don't know. They got Wyoming, who who knows. But but this game, I'd say this is a – I don't see this as the team going forward. Do you? I mean, I think – when you look at their forthcoming schedule, there's still a lot of work to be done mm-hmm. because, you know, in the next few weeks, they're at San Diego State, at UNLV, home versus Boise. Oh, Boise, yep, I missed that one. Yeah. So, but I think the upside is if they can continue looking like this, they're going to cause a lot of headaches, like we've like we've seen them do in seasons past. You know, they might go to San Diego and upend the Aztecs coming off of a big win. But, you know, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I thought last, you know, a few days ago that I might be able to count the Falcons out. Maybe we can't, especially if they have the quarterback situation solved, and especially if the defense and especially the front seven can play like this. Yeah, and that's one thing, too. They're not switching with uh, any other quarterback. Aaron Worthman, they're not going to Sanders. So if they're going to stick, that's the thing, too. Stick with one guy. If Hammond's your guy, and you're right too. We mentioned this in, in our lost preview of, on my end that we maybe we mentioned before, but the quarterback should be having the majority of the carries are close to it. And he, like he said, he had yeah only sixty yards, sixty yards, but three touchdowns on nineteen carries. Give him that amount of carries, and if he can throw in this same neighborhood or even close to it, they're gonna six ones will be tough to get to at this point. Because UNLV, I don't know what to make of them with Max Gillian. We'll see with that, but see, they played it. They played a great game. This was the easily their best game of the year. And now, all they got to do, oh, okay, air quotes, beat Army, and they get the CIC back. Well, and I think if we're if we're looking for maybe one or two things that they can improve upon, one thing that I would keep an eye on going forward is you know they were only a little bit better than Navy as far as converting on third downs. You know they were five yeah. of twelve. But one thing that jumps out is they didn't have as many third and shorts as you might expect from a team that wants to stay on schedule. You know, go back and look at their success rate. There were, you know, they averaged six yards of play, but their success rate was only 38%. So there's still work to be done as far as staying on schedule, being successful on early downs, especially when you consider that their first five third downs that they had in this game in the first half. Five yards, six yards, six yards, five yards, four yards. So yeah. if they can if they can improve that a little bit, because they were zero for five in those situations. Mm-hmm. And flipped around to defense, like I'm going through Navy's third down, the first I think four or five were seven yards or more, and they mm-hmm. were stopped on I believe on all of those. They were zero for six on third and long. There was yeah, and so what's third and long? What the six and more? Uh, nine or more. Oh, nine or more. But they even had some that were less than that. Well, so, yeah, the only the only third downs that they converted yesterday were uh, four yards or less. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was going through. I give credit to the defense for 
for Air Force to not allow Navy to have third and two, third and three, where the fullback dive is a very key, play, like, integral play to get those couple of yards. Oh, yeah. So, because if it's third and eight and they're going to run, you're not you're not in the fullback dive unless you're going to go for it on fourth down and you're maybe too close to punt. And so it's like it takes away when you're triple option team. All right, there's only two plays. It's the quarterback sweep, or you know, I mean, there's only a couple plays you could really do. You're not mm-hmm. going to go up the middle on third and eight typically for a fullback dive. So. The defensive fine. There, there are concerns, and maybe with um, him knowing the quarterback in place, where it's only going to be Hammond, he doesn't have to worry about it. So looking over his shoulder, am I going to be benched for Worthman or Sanders? If if this truly is the guy, then that gives a lot of confidence, and not that allows you to pl- make make an error, but you play a little bit more loose. You know, if you do kind of mess up or have a little inconsistent play, you're not going to get pulled out, and that's a big thing, I believe. All right. All right, should we go to uh, the next game? Because the Air Force, that is, they are really quick, two and three on the year. So kudos to Troy Calhoun, who has uh, been there forever, right? He's the, what is he, longest tenured coach in one team, right? 12 years? Uh, well, at least in the Mountain West, yeah. That's right. All right, so where should we go next? Let's go to Boise. We have to? We do have to. Before we get to the game, we had a few bets made on the website. <laughs> that is true. We appreciate... Um, so there's a thing in our chat. We're talking like, let's do a, a silly Gatorade challenge. Red, if you if Boise wins, out, loses. Blue, if uh, San Diego State, or you know, if, if Boise wins. Basically, whatever team you like, you cover. If you lose, you put that other team's Gatorade over your head. And there were no points involved either, which is pretty bold. It was just straight uh-huh. up. Because they're like, well, Aztecs would be giving, what, 14 points? I think it ended at two touchdowns. Well, they didn't need any points because they won outright in this matchup. So if you check our Twitter feed, uh, Raj and Eric did a uh, pour some red Powerade over their heads. just some fun and made a little comment. So go go find that out on our Twitter accounts. But 19-13 to 13 was, not, was, for me, not a very entertaining game. Unless you like fumbles and muff punts and mishandled snaps, then it's for you. See, okay, so that, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> because was this – a defensive struggle or was this just winning ugly on, on San Diego state's part? Um, I would include bad offense on Boise state for bad throws. We saw bad Brett Rippon for the first time in like a year plus. That's that, true. That first interception was terrible. It the, was. And the yeah. guy had, I forgot who caught it, but he, he was so mad at himself because he tripped on the sideline. It would have been a clear pick six. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, I think that was I think that was the Darren Hall interception. I think so. it's like the very first pass play, but it, it's a combination of things where they run and do this, and they try to do certain things, and it doesn't work very well. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make the case either way, just because you know when you look at the stat line, especially in the first half, I feel like both of these defenses are just playing at a really high level in the first half. You know. Both teams ended up with four sacks on the day. Um, you know, San Diego State ended up with six tackles for loss. Boise had seven. So they were both doing, I think, more than enough to keep both of these offenses contained. Like, you know, we thought that, you know, what is Chase got Jasmine going to do to be able to keep the Aztecs in this game? And I think when you look back at what Boise was able to accomplish, he had 26 carries for only 78 yards and a long of 14. Yep. So I think that that's a win for Boise. And nobody had more than 57 yards through the air for the Aztecs. Fred Trevelyan had three catches, 57 yards. Ryan Agnew on the day was only 8 of 15 for 113 yards. I think all of those things are significant, you know, 
positives for the Broncos. It was just the fact that the, yeah, the Aztecs were able to do the exact same thing. Well, they're also unforced errors. Like Boise missing the punt return, the bad snap right there, the mm-hmm. t- terrible throw. And so they get part of the reason I could can, can argue the reason Jasmine only had 78 yards. Look how many short fields they had to work with for touchdowns. They only had a couple. They had that huge long 72-yarder to um, – the one running play, what's his name? Bert, um, Jordan Bird. Yeah, sorry, I think of Jason Bird. No, Jordan Bird. But you just like this is where not to say it, would, it maybe would have made a difference if you don't have a, a muff punt, a, a bad snap, pick six, three total interceptions, and also not protect your quarterback who is at least twice, if I recall, players untouched, and Rippin was getting hit after hit after hit, like. He was getting crushed all night. I don't know how many times he got hit, but he was hit dead on at least three times for my cup, probably more. Mm-hmm. And that goes to the offensive line not playing well. And so though, even if those would have stayed the same, but the two big things really was the punt, the two punt. The, again, same with Oklahoma State. Look at the special teams that caused them to, loss, to lose. Look at last year, last couple of times they played San Diego State. It's always been a special teams issue that ultimately did them in. And that was the case in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if I were going to make the counter argument, it's that both of these teams had multiple chances to succeed and neither of them did pretty well with it. Like yeah. if you look at if you look at field position, for instance, it was obviously it was influenced by the turnovers that both teams had. But on average, you know, they were both starting at you know about the 32 or 33 yard line. That's you know, that's not nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, San Diego State had six opportunities to score inside the Boise State 40, and they got only 3.3 points per trip. It, Boise's problem was just being able to move the ball once they had those golden opportunities because they only had three such opportunities, even if they were doing a little better on average with them. So it was just one of those things where it's like, for instance, in that first half, I'm trying to remember which drive it was, You know, they get the ball at their own 39 after a fumble. And they go backwards eight yards and turn it over on downs. Yeah. You can't do that. It's just, yeah, it's just instances like that where Boise had chances. And even in the second half, especially, you know, they get the ball over on downs on the San Diego State 47 and they go three and out. And then the very next drive, they get the ball at their own 44 and they go 15 yards and they have to punt. So they had opportunities and they just couldn't capitalize on them. I, that's where I give Aztecs defense credit for doing that, st- starting them down. Madison had only 66 yards. Rippin only had 170 and b- was barely 50% of the completion rate. Like, they were not – Aztecs were – like I said, look at the sa- sacks. They, I don't know how he's – I guess he's the Aztec defense is credited with zero hurries because he was hit so many times and it wasn't really hurried, hurried or moved. But four sacks, seven TFLs, which are mostly – I mean, that just they're getting to the quarterback. So I give – they all had chances, but mm-hmm. it was the Aztec defense that stood up more and made those plays where they need, needed to to stop them. So how much does this game affect your long-term outlook about the Broncos? Well, in the power pool, I put them fifth. So why or, is excuse, excuse me, excuse me, fourth. Here's why. Fresno State, I still think they're really good. Um, I, I did this, I mentioned before, I'm with San Diego State. Because here's why I put them number one. Long term, it's going to change. Here, this is my weekly thing because the way I do the polls, it's not going to be you're going to unless I do my bowl projections, which where I have Fresno as the top team and that going to Vegas bowl at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. But as for a week to week, because that's what the polls are, they're not a season long look forward. Aztecs have the two best wins in the league, beating Arizona State and Boise State. They are, yeah, they're playing backups, but they're winning. As for a season long, I don't project them to stay that long, especially if Chapman and uh, Washington are out for for far for more than their four to five weeks because they might be out for the whole year. I know Chapman did dress, but there's no way he's going to play. He was there because why not? I guess dressed up just to get used to it. I don't know. Maybe they're taping up his shoulder or protecting it just to see how it feel. Who knows? It's been a couple weeks. So Utah State number two because they're doing really good. Fresno for the three because I mentioned at the moment what they're doing. Boise 4, as for long term, it's my big concern is I'm not overly concerned. That's where my big concern is. I'm not too concerned because we've seen Brett Ribbon be bad and then really good the next week. It's just been a long time since he hasn't been good. And I think it's more more, has to, more to do with who they played. Because when they played Oklahoma State, he wasn't terrible. He just, they just weren't getting plays. And Aztecs said as much they were modeling after the Oklahoma State play where if you can get after Ripon, if you can beat the offensive line, which they did, then that's how they're going to win. And that's what they did by rattling him and hitting him all day long. But for the like the rest of the season way, you have the Utah State game. They still have Fresno. We saw what Air Force did this week. Who knows? Um, I don't think BYU is any threat at all. And New Mexico, they've always given Boise some trouble. But at the end of the year, they're still going to be fighting for their division title and conference title despite the one loss. Again, it's only one loss in conference play. Yeah, I mean, I think these next few weeks are going to be really critical for them because we've seen Air Force improve on defense, you know, in a way that could give Air, uh, Boise State some trouble because we saw them, as we just talked about, they were able to stop Navy's running attack. So if they could do the same thing, how, gonna, how is Brett Ripon going to respond in that kind of situation? You know, we've seen Nevada, which we'll talk about in a little bit. They've taken a step forward on defense. You know, CSU. Yeah. I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders. You can't see it right now. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> but those are the three teams they face next, including two of them on the road. So I'm not panicking. I mean, I sense a lot of angst among Boise State Twitter about this game. Well, but let's not forget. It's, like, it's San Diego State. That's like, why. Like, like three weeks ago, we just saw them bounce back and we saw them beat Wyoming pretty convincingly. So I'm not going to be surprised if they go out and do the same thing against Nevada next week. So I'm not pushing the panic button just yet on this team. No, you should. It's, I think it's more because we lost to San Diego State. Like They were a huge favorite and couldn't get it done. Like When's the last time, not that they lose at home, but a two-touchdown double-digit favorite and lose at home? Probably never. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm pretty confident ahead. that would be never because they don't lose at home. And when they lose at home, it gets a really good team, which not to say the Aztecs aren't, but when you have your three key starters out in offense, fullback is key to them, not to everybody else, you're probably not expected to win. So where, did, where does this put you for San Diego State then? Because they're still down those key players for at least a couple more weeks. Well, I mean, I, I didn't really think that they were ever truly down and out, even without Chapman in Washington, because I thought that Jasmine would be you know, enough of a running threat to be able to keep, you know, the offense afloat. And, you know, I had thought that Kagan Williams or Chance Bell would be the guy to step up. But if it's Jordan Bird instead coming up with a big play here and there, I think that, you know, we know what they're going to do. They're going to be led by their defense one way or another, and their defense is still 100% healthy. So there are still very much going to be a factor in this conference race. Agree. All right, so... Next game? Yeah, let's do it. Next we have 
Oh, boy. More quarterback issues. New Mexico at UNLV. Well, quarterback issues for whom? Two very different kinds of uh, performances from backups in this game. UNLV, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> they both played backups. Okay, there, the only issue for New Mexico was that it was for, not an issue, but a note that Tuiaki, as we mentioned, is out for the year, so it's Sherryon Jones. Or is it Sharon? Yeah, it's Sharon. It's not Sharon Jones. Sharon Jones. Oh, Sharon? Yeah. Not sh- the two R's don't matter? No, it does not. Apparently not. Okay, Sharon. Thank you for that, Sharon. I thought it was Sharon. Okay, Sharon Jones. Um, first off, 50 to 14. Can I uh, make a extremely outlandish uh, note at the moment or take? I guess I'll, I'll have to use that word. I'll allow it. Tony Sanchez is in trouble. You think so? You have a bye week, and you lose 50 to 14 to one of the worst teams in the conference. Well, did you see his comments after the game? Yeah, yeah. And you're at home. He was not happy. Well, I don't think anybody in, in surrounding UNLV football was very happy after that one. But am I too? Because he's this is what you're for. Uh, yes, it is. He's probably going to stick around, but like, this is what old UNLV used to do. You get beat with a. I'm not just saying it's a backup quarterback. It's sure he's played. Jones has played enough, but he's not the main guy they'd probably want starting. But regardless, New Mexico hasn't ran the ball well at all this year, and they did really well. Probably, I believe, at the look, probably their best performance of the year with the uh, three touchdown rushes. But you have zero running attack against the New Mexico defense, which has not been good stopping the run this year at all. Max Gillian minus forty three. <laughs> do you, do you want to take a stab as to what how much of a difference there was between New Mexico's success rate in this game and UNLV's? A lot, doubled. Well, let, let me let me set it up for you. Like, go this. for so it. So by by yards per play, New Mexico averaged six point two yards per play. It's really good. UNLV only averaged two point seven. They weren't good. UNLV. Was terrible. So, you, so wait, wait, wait. Do you want to take a guess? Oh, double, I guess. Or do you, or do you just want me to tell you? Just tell me. I, I don't double 50 percent higher, hundred percent higher, whatever. You know what? You joke, but that first guess is actually very close. <laughs> because you, New Mexico had a fifty-five percent success rate. UNLV's success rate was eight percent. So you could technically do worse at success success rate than UNLV. There was a chance you could have been worse. There was a chance you could have been worse. Yes. <laughs> QB like, rating one point four for Gilliam. <laughs> I mean Q- QBR. Sorry, a different. I mean, I did not expect this from Sheron Jones. I think what I had seen from him in the in the the games that I had watched before this was a lot of up and down play, and so I thought that you know with the talent that UNLV has on the back end, that there would be a little bit more of that. But he basically came out and was on fire the whole time. You know, Delane Hart Johnson had. You know, six catches, 80 yards. You know, Elijah Lilly, his lone catch was a 74-yard catch and run. I, I think it was the touchdown that he threw to Emmanuel Harris. Like, did you see that throw? I, I don't think I saw that one, no. Like, that I was one have. of the best throws I've seen all year long. It, it was, you know, he was running, I believe, a, a corner route to the end zone. And, you know, Sheron Jones just placed it right over the defender's head and into his hands. And so it was just like an unbelievable performance and it kind of left me wondering you know when you take the the last three weeks of Lobos football into account like which is the real Lobos team because if it's like this then they're gonna raise a lot of hell on the mountain division 
They sure could because one thing, big thing too, we talked about turning the ball over. He did not do that at all. Four touchdowns, zero picks. That's and true. He was turning it over last uh, week. And what it does, it helps. Yes, if they're going to pass more, we know this isn't the same running attack they've had before. But he also led the team in rushing, 72 yards. You had uh, guys like uh, Tarion Owens. They all had a, decent, had a couple guys with 40-plus yards. They were what they sort of were the past couple years, both an actual throwing game. And you're right. If they could throw as well as they did. And then, did you see defensively? Five sacks? Oh, yeah. Seven TFLs? I I know, like, like Tony Sanchez was pissed at Lexington Thomas about effort. But he's right. It's like, we figured, jokingly, hand the ball off to Thomas, Williams, and Campbell and be fine. This, I don't know what happened for this New Mexico defense. Is it, I got to say it's more them than what UNLV did, right? So, I don't know if you saw this conversation that I had with Ed Graney. Uh, I believe it's from the Las Vegas Sun. I glanced yeah, because, at it, yeah. Because he, I think he was kind of venting on Twitter about, like, it, does Armani Rodgers make that much of a difference to this offense? And if he does... What does that say about the rest of these guys? And one of the things that I had looked up before this game when I was writing the keys to a UNLV win is if you go back to last year, to the three-game stretch in uh, late October, early November, where Omani Rogers missed two whole games and only threw five passes in, in the other, UNLV averaged under four yards of carry in those three games. And so I didn't I didn't realize it when I was really you know, thinking about the podcast or thinking about this game ahead of time. But, you know, maybe he does make that big of a difference because Max Gilliam, I mean, he was a disaster. <laughs> uh, he he had 123 yards on the day. And if I remember correctly, 83 of those yards came after UNM was already up 36 to nothing. And, you know, you look at this, this ground game, Lexington Thomas, you know, he only had six carries. You know, Charles Williams only had nine carries. Xavier Campbell only had one carry. And it was because they were just so far out of it so quickly that they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Well, yes, but, he, but hold on. It was still 0-0 zero zero at the first quarter. It didn't. Why weren't they hitting the ball more often in the first? Because they were going three and out. They were trying to pass too many times. Like, they're throwing, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. They had chances in the first quarter to run the ball more than they didn't. I mean, I don't know. Because, like, he was throwing – when you're – okay, new quarterback. Never played an FBS game before in his life. The guy who called us out on Twitter saying he's coming to start. How about you show up and do something, first of all? But I get it. Get Let him throw the ball. But why not run the ball every single down for the first little bit? Why are you passing well, early on? It's like let you have these guys who are the probably the best running back in the conference. Why are you throwing on, on your very first possession? Can I, can I tell you why? Why? Because by halftime – and I think this is pretty close to what the actual play selection was. By halftime, they had thrown it 13 times and run it 11 times. Do you know how many yards they had on the ground at that point? On the ground? I don't know, 50? 25? Zero. Zero. They had zero yards. Still, I don't know. I just, I don't know. They should, I don't know, mate. It's ridiculous. It's like their, they, first, their, first two play, their first two plays were passing plays. Their first three plays were attempted passes. Why are you doing that in your first possession? With the guy who's never started before, he throws incomplete first down. He runs around, has a loss after cover his own fumble, and then third and ten, third and thirteen, you have to throw again. Which I get third and thirteen, but why are you putting him in those bad situations to make it in his first career start? 
and, and then his the first four plays were attempted pass plays. Why are they doing that to a guy who's never played before? I mean, all I'm saying is, like, you know, if they wanted to try and be more balanced and attack this Lobo secondary, I get that. Because Liberty was able to do the exact same thing just last week. It's just, you know, they needed the guys on the ground to step up. And early on, when they still had a chance in this game, I mean, let's come out and say it. Lexington Thomas, Charles Williams, and Campbell just did not get it done. No, you're right. They, and and, and this, is, this is only the start. Armani Rogers is going to be out for another four or five weeks. So these guys are going to need to get better or it's going to spiral very quickly. All right. Uh, anything else we need to add on this game? Uh, no, I mean, I think we're all set. We're yeah. good. I, I vented because whatever it's because. All right, let's take a quick timeout and we will come back to talk about the rest of the games. All right, let's move on to the good old Fresno State Bulldogs. 21 Nevada 3. Another game, Matt, where, hey, another quarterback stopped playing two minutes before kick time. What's going on? Well, what's going on is I think it played right into Fresno State's hands. <laughs> exactly. Ty Gandy, it was weird because he only, one day of practice he didn't participate in, and there was no real hubbub about what the injury was, but they brought in Christian Solano to take over, and it did not go well. Well, yes and no. I think it kind of depends on your perspective because for a little while he was giving Fresno State some headaches. One thing that I thought was really interesting as this game unfolded is, you know, I don't know how much of it was by design or not, but they were using a lot of zone read early in this game, which when you look at the style line, you might be surprised that Toa Tawa for, for as good as he's been in the first month or so of the season he only had 26 yards on this game. And that a lot of that had to do with the fact that Solano was keeping itself quite a bit. You know, even though he he was only credited with uh, 71 total yards, a lot of that had to be adjusted for sack yards. But he ran for 100 yards before you adjust for sacks. And what this really came down to was just, you know, he was asked to do a lot, uh, throwing the ball, football as well. And he just wasn't as sharp as Tyganji usually is. He was only 22 of 43, 195 yards. He missed several deep shots that could have changed the tenor of the game. And, of course, he had the three interceptions on three, I guess I would say, really bad decisions overall. So it was one of those things where you you could see this game unfolding in different ways if a handful of, of critical junctures had gone differently for the Wolfpack. But... The things on offense just never really broke the way it needed to. No, he he ran well. He did like he moved the ball pretty well, but he got sacked four times when he's throwing for I guess about what two hundred yards of picks. It's not what part of it is like. Yes, two hundred yards is fine for this offense, but you got to have another guy running the ball as well. You mentioned Tua Kelton Moore. You got to have it. I get it. He was keeping it himself. So that's a little bit probably first started. But I'd be more comfortable doing that, but. Ended up not working at all for them. But can we give some credit to this Nevada defense? I Yeah, I would. They shut down the Fresno State rushing attack to basically nothing. Well, what was really interesting was that, you know, one of the things I think I talked about in the preview was that they needed to keep giving themselves opportunities to kind of to bail themselves out. 
And that's exactly what they did in this game. Because I mentioned a minute ago that Solano had three interceptions, but do you know how many points Fresno State was able to get off of those? Uh, I, I don't have it offhand. No, what was it? Not many, I'm guessing. They got exactly three points. Okay, not many. Yeah, so Nevada, to its credit, like they weren't maybe as disruptive as I would have expected them to be. They only had you know, five tackles for loss. Although, you know, the one sack that Malik Reed had, did you happen to see that? I did. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was just like, ooh. Uh, He's I good. That happen. I hope that doesn't happen again. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but, you know, they created turnovers. Damian Baber had a really critical forced fumble that Gabe Sewell recovered basically at their door, at the doorstep of their own end zone, um, kind of stifling a Fresno State score. So... This defense gave them every opportunity to win this game. And and that by pretty much every measure, you could point to and say, like, this this was a good thing. You know, Fresno State was only 3 of 13 on third downs. And, you know, they were 1 of 1 on their only fourth down opportunity. But they weren't able to equal the effort that they put forth last week against Toledo when it came to finishing drives. And that was one of those big things that really kept the wolf back in this game. It was just that the offense was never able to get it going. No, so why why was that? Because we've seen Nevada's defense not be they kind of not, they haven't been good at all. And so with what we've seen for Fresno State, because their running game has been kind of their big key to the offense for the most part. McMarion's doing a great job, but you see Mims, Rivers, whoever's running the ball to do okay. What do you think the difference was against this Nevada team? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know that I have a real good answer for that. Other than that, you know, this is usually a team that leans more on the run than the pass. And what McMarion was able to do through the air, which was you know, 20 of 28, 241 yards and two touchdowns, no, no turnovers, most importantly, that was more than enough to offset the fact that Utah, that Nevada was able to make them one-dimensional. You know, because Keyshawn Johnson had, you know, a solid game, if not necessarily a spectacular game. You know, Jared Rice had a big catch and run. You would say a, a, a nice catch and run of 69 mm-hmm. yards. Exactly. Um, you know, and he was able to spread the ball around eight different guys on 20 completions. And that, I think, is enough to offset it because, you know, it kind of comes down to the – it sounds like it's a cliche. But, you know, good teams know how to find different ways to win games. And, you know, I would say – exactly that about how san diego state was able to win the game yesterday and i would say the same thing about this fresno state team as well you know even when one thing wasn't work they kept going with the thing that was and they were able to keep nevada at arm's length so is this a let's kind of look forward here fresno looked they won comfortably was i correct to say to take the points when you we were fa- when it, we, i mean it was uh plus 15 at kickoff i believe because when we found out that it was not tight games i'm like i tweeted like hey if you're legally able to do so take fresno and the points it and was cutting it close for a while, though. I was nervous too. I'm like, oh no, it's seven to three, fourteen <laughs> to were, three. You were you were going to lose someone's house for a while. No, <laughs> do not blame me for losing for you betting your mortgage on this game. <laughs> oh boy, no, but ended up I was, correct call, and I think it's an anomaly for Fresno State, but maybe not for Nevada defensively, because we know Fresno State with who they have back on offensive line and what they've been able to do. Maybe Nevada's turning the corner defensively. Maybe because they had multiple people. Like it wasn't just one guy. They had one, two, three, what five, six guys get a T at least a half a TFL. Mm-hmm. There's the so guys are getting to the ball, and so when you look, I I still have them in the bowl projections, very slim. 
because I thought the Air Force game was a swing game last week. And so I still have them. I think I have them at the uh, Arizona Bowl, like the last pick, essentially. Mm-hmm. They have Boise at home, which it's already out like a 20-point line, which is, oh, geez, 20 points. We'll see. That's I'm probably not going to say a win for that, but they go to Hawaii, where I know they struggled. But we'll get to the Hawaii game. If Cole McDonald's not back, why can't Nevada maybe pull that one off? San, mm-hmm. Diego, San Diego State at home. Who knows who's healthy, but still probably lost, but maybe closer. They could beat CSU, they could beat San Jose State, and they could beat Nevada or UNLV. So they that's could. A, that's a really tough stretch. Those next three weeks. Yeah, that's the, these three: Boise, Hawaii, San Diego State. They'll probably go three and six. After that, that's when their final three of the bowl game. But I would not be surprised that they might be able to pull off the win at Hawaii. I mean, I think how they do in these next three weeks, even if they do go zero and three, is going to say a lot about where this team is at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because especially if they can get Ty Ganji back. You know, for the game against Boise, you know, we saw them in this game, you know, at least on one side of the ball, they had a much better effort against the Bulldogs than they were able to put up last year. You know, last year they gave up 41 points against a team that wasn't really even that explosive. So the fact that they were able to do this, I think, should give Wolfpack fans a lot of hope. It definitely should be. All right. Should we go into the next game? Yeah, let's go. The Mike Bubba watch, hot seat watch is that correct? Maybe we maybe we can take it off the uh, the burner for a week. I don't know, man. Colorado State beats San Jose State after nearly blowing. It wasn't twenty eight three, but no, it was twenty eight to nothing. Twenty eight to get to. Was it like Boise State? It's twenty eight nothing at the half. They end up winning forty two to thirty. So good for them. Here's the thing. I mentioned earlier on. I'm like, oh, they're gonna jokingly, oh, they're going to switch Carter Samuels to halftime. They're open up the competition. Again, it's not the quarterback issue. But here's the thing. Mike, I, I, you, can you trust anything Mike Bobo that comes out of his mouth? Can you even trust that he's breathing air when he opens his mouth or exhaling? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just say no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go that far and say no. Here's the thing. You're up 28-0 to half. Your running game's coming alive. Carter Samuels is doing okay. Let's uh, bring in Colin Hill for a little bit. Let's let San Jose State, who is doing much better offensively. They had Nevins back, Tyler Nevins back in this game after missing, what, two or three games? Had a, ni- a nice 73 yards total, 101 TD. They allowed 33rd quarter points. Did you know San Jose State hasn't scored, I think it was, I saw 31 points against an FBS team in like a year? Since 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they put up 30 in a quarter. Yeah, I mean, this game was one of the weirdest that you will see all year long. And if you go and look especially at the quarter summaries of this of this game, that will tell you a lot <laughs> about how this – because in the first quarter, you know, you mentioned why why are they taking KJ Carter and Samuels out of the game. He was seven of his first nine. And, you know, maybe – yeah, maybe you could make the argument that his receivers were doing a lot of work for him, especially early, because Preston Williams – even though his numbers don't necessarily jump off the the stat sheet, you know, four catches, sixty-seven yards, two touchdowns. He was balling out there. Let's not let's not lie. He you know? is one of the best receivers in the conference. Oh yeah, and you know, as a team, by halftime when they were up twenty-eight to nothing, they were killing the Spartans on offense. And it wasn't just that KJ Carter Samuels. Maybe his efficiency fell off a little bit in the second quarter. He was only four of eleven, but the running game had by far its best effort of the year. And, 
you know, that wasn't just Izzy Matthews, even though he did have, you know, 22 carries, 125 yards and a score on the game. As a team, they were averaging five yards a carry. So like that was the first time all year, I think, that we've seen that crew come together and put together a really big performance. And then you start looking at the third quarter and it's an entirely different game. Like it makes you wonder why Colorado State was ever in this game to begin with. Because that because that's when Mike Bobo started messing around with Colin Hill. That's when the offense basically disappeared. They only had 25 yards of offense in the third quarter. And just all of a sudden, they could not stop the Spartans. And, you know, on the game, if you look at what Josh Love did, like his numbers aren't that impressive. You know, he was 17 of 40, 232 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But in that third quarter, he could do no wrong. And... It was just one of those things where the, they kept driving down the field and they weren't even taking that long to do it. Um, I'm trying to look up what their, their time of possession was on there. So here's the time of possession is on their four straight touchdown drives. 50 seconds, mm-hmm. a minute eight, a minute 10, a minute 30. And, you know, that last one, was, of course, was aided by the fact that uh, one of their defensive linemen was able to intercept the ball and nearly take it all the way back. But it was just a totally different team on both sides in that third quarter. And then things kind of righted itself in the fourth quarter. Colorado State was able to kind of hold mm-hmm. San Jose State off. But it was just, you know, what, it made you take a look, take a step back and think, like, what is Colorado State trying to do right now? And well, why, are, why are they doing it? You want to know a fun fact? I would love to know a fun fact. In that third quarter where the Rams basically punted every chance they could. Mm-hmm. They had two possessions that were, mind you, three plays and punting, two that lasted longer than two of San Jose State's scoring drives. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> they had a their first possession, 98 seconds. Their second possession went 227. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know why. Running probably because of inbounds. There's a lot of reasons that could be the case, but that is a yeah, it's a fun fact, right? Tell your friends. But it was just like it was just one of those things. It's like you're up twenty eight nothing. Why are you switching quarterbacks? What is the point? I think the point, honestly, like we could joke about it. But here's the thing: if you're not sure who your quarterback is, what, what isn't this the best time to stick him in? You have a comfortable lead. It's like, hey, what could go wrong? What possibly could go wrong? Oh yeah, my defense is the problem. But that's not it's not my quarterback. It's the defense. But if you think clear, if you kind of take away what Bobo says about oh we're gonna play this guy, that guy, this guy, if you're up twenty eight zero against a team that's known to not score a lot of points, it's probably, it really is the best time to stick another quarterback in or backups in to see what they can do in actual game time. So the decision itself, while we joke about Bobo, think about it, it's not really a bad position to take. But, because again, did Colin Hill cause it? He only threw two passes. So it's not like it was his fault. He threw pick sixes all over the board. So then why are you just letting Carter Samuels hand the ball off? If you have a big lead... And you're trying to just chew clock. Isn't that something that your starting quarterback can do? You would think so. They stuck him in. They put Hill in after that second possession where he got sacked uh, twice, it looks like. But again, is that the quarterback's fault he's being sacked? I don't know. But but you're right. But I could see both sides. Like, if you want to be super serious, it's probably the best time to stick him in. But also, it's 28. Uh... Oh, no, they punted. Sorry, it wasn't 28 14. But when did they. I don't know. It's just. Uh... 
I could ever know what he's doing. It's like, and then the interception, they put Carter Samuels back in, interception, then they get to safety, and then they finally have 11 play drive where they do something, but on that 32-yarder, which is a huge, there's two for two to go up uh, basically 35-30 to put the game away. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's thinking, but I could, I see your point. Like Keep Samuels in there, handoff, handoff, pass occasionally, but it took two drives. Like, all right, let's switch and see, but... I don't know. If you're going to switch QBs, why not stick Hill in at halftime when you're up 28 nothing, and let him get those reps and not put him in a bad spot where your offense has done nothing for three straight possessions? Yeah. Or two, I should say. Sorry. Two possessions. But I don't know. This doesn't change for the Rams. Nothing. They're still a team that's not going to go to a bowl game, and Bobo's going to be in question of keeping his job at the end of the year. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if he keeps putting Colin Hill on for no good reason. And for, like, a couple of plays. If you're going to play him, if you say it's a competition and you want to see what you can do, put him in for, like he did a couple weeks ago, where he played a, a significant amount of time. Don't stick him in there for, like, four plays and say, you're, or, you know what I mean, a handful of plays, a couple of drives, and pass it twice. Mm-hmm. What's the point of that if you want to see what he can do? That's, like, he's clearly not the guy. He's clearly never going to start until maybe November. Because he's probably still not healthy enough to take all those hits. That's why he's playing so few amount of plays. Can we can we give some credit to the defense though? What because even even it's Colorado State's okay. defense. Because even though that third quarter was really dicey, we should give them credit because they were able to pull it together in the fourth quarter and really shut down any chance of a comeback mm-hmm. that San Jose State had. You know, Jordan Fogle had a very critical interception that on a deep shot from Jordan Love that actually didn't miss by much. He only threw his he only overthrew his receiver by like inches right into Fogel's hands. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, John Philip uh Bombeck, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. He's German apparently. Okay. I didn't know that. But he had three sacks on the day. Uh including two in a you know, two in three plays that led to the Rashad Ajayi pick six that put this game away. Yeah, those back-to-back interceptions were key for them to get the yeah. win. So, you know, obviously it's still a lot of work to do. Those 15 minutes were uh, um, well, questionable. <laughs> you're nice. You're too nice. <laughs> but if you're an optimist, you look at the other three quarters and you say, we can build off of this. My negative side is you're, you did it against San Jose State for three of those quarters. But yeah. but they did it so but they still did it so you can't like oh you took it away I'm glad or enjoyed that the running game Izzy Matthews did something special 125 and touchdown and also San Jose State like they were down big and they didn't give up they made they were leading 30 to 28 at one point mm-hmm. yeah those two fourth quarter picks were crucial by Jordan Love they had Nevins back they're a team that they're gonna be a thorn because they seem to finally figure it out to how they could score some points this year. Well, yeah, and for if you're a Colorado State fan, you look at next week's matchup against New Mexico as one that maybe is winnable if you can be more like the team that was in the first half than the second half. Who do they have next week? Uh, Colorado State home versus New Mexico. New Mexico. Oh, yeah, okay. Let me ask you this, Matt. Would you mind taking a trip up to Lehigh Stadium next week for us? Um... <laughs> San Jose State host an army at Lehigh Stadium. Levi, excuse me, I, Levi I Stadium. I forgot about that on ESPN or So just saying. Well, we'll see. We'll see what my availability. No, you do, you do not have to. It's a game. I don't know. It's a, that's just an odd situation. All right. Should we go to the last game? Hawaii hosting Wyoming with a pair of uh, no, not a pair. Excuse me. At one point, there was backup quarterbacks in this game. So let's get to it. If you 
found this game, and you probably did by searching our website because we note how you can watch the game legally on the stadium app. Which do you have? Maybe it's my phone. I just watched it on my phone, not a tablet. But does it show you the score when you would do it like long vertical or uh, horizontal? Yes. Huh, my phone it does not. So I have to flip it over to see the score and time is half to every every so often. Could it be my Galaxy Note has an issue or something? I don't know. Maybe. So this game, Cole McDonald, as we mentioned before, as the quarterback drama continues, did not start, did not dress to play for some mysterious injury. We did find out during the the recording, post-game, Coach Rolovich said he doesn't know um, when McDonald will be back to play again, but said it's not going to be really long-term, which whatever that means. So he's keeping it close, not sure how often he'll be out or how long. But if he's out for a long time, this will spell trouble because they had to start true freshman. Is that correct? True freshman. St. Louis High School out of Honolulu. Siobhan? Chevin? Chevin. Chevin. I watched again my mute because it was late, so I didn't have the sound up. Chevin, Cordero, did not look good except for the game when he touched on pass late in the game. You think so? I didn't think it looked that great. Offense was sluggish. But think about it. When you're going from what Cole McDonald does to this guy and you don't put up even 200 yards passing – that's uh, maybe it's a skew of expectations of what they've been doing, but overall, it's for getting his first start. It was it's not bad, but just for comparison's sake, it wasn't good. I mean, I think that I would say he battled Wyoming's front seven to a draw because you know he started out hot. You know, he was eight of even though he started uh, he he finished excuse me nineteen of twenty nine, one hundred and forty eight yards, mm-hmm. two touchdowns and an interception. You know, he started eight for his first nine. So he was actually pretty good about moving the ball early. It's just that they couldn't close on those scoring opportunities that they had. And then, you know, he was a little shaky about midway through the game. And I think that was when Wyoming's front four especially started asserting itself. Like, I thought that, you know, when are these guys going to step up and start making big plays? Well, you know, Carl Granderson had a sack. Uh, Logan Wilson had a sack. Johanna Gaifan had a sack. And, oh, by the way, it was Granderson who had that pick six that Cordero threw. Um, but at the same time, I watched this game really closely. And what I can say about Cordero is that he's almost as elusive as McDonald is. Like there were certain times where he was you know, under pressure and he was able to get away. So even though he was sacked four times on the, on the evening, you know, he still... I, I would say ended up as a net positive as a runner. He's credited with uh, 23 yards uh, with the adjustment for sack yardage. But, uh, you know, he had some positive plays. He did have one run that was at least 12 yards. So he made a difference in that regard. So, I mean, when I look at that particular part of the matchup, I feel like, you know, they both had their own victories and their own battles throughout the game. But on the whole, that, you know, even if he wasn't quite on the level of Cole McDonald, I feel like that would have been an impossible ask. I feel like he was fine, all things considered. No, he was fine. I was just watching the offense. Like, I didn't really tune into, tune into this until the second half, and it was pretty late. I'm like, I'm up. I'm watching. I'll keep going because what you do, you're dedicated. Plus, I don't think you could go back and watch this as a replay, which they should do so, but whatever. Uh, you know what I do like? I have a new favorite player in the Mountain West. Who's that? Dayton Furuta. Running back. The, the fruit train? Fruit train. That's that what they're calling him? That is – I mean, I woke up a few days ago, and I believe it was their wide receiver coach, Coach Stutzman, had uh, tweeted out the Quad City DJs. 
You know that song? I do, yes. <laughs> so that's what they're going with him, the fruit train? Yeah, I guess so. Watching him run the ball is a thing of magic, which we've seen before. But there are so many times because he is 5'11", 250. He's like the – I don't know what a typical Hawaiian guy is, but they're usually kind of stout. Like I know a lot of Polynesian guys, so I so, can kind of compare to what their built kind of is. You mm-hmm. see how many times he tried to dive like bulldoze people when he could have just easily like jumped over somebody and got like mm-hmm. ten more yards. Like I saw like three plays where he tried to do that to Logan Wilson or somebody else. I'm like, dude, if you just jumped, you would have hopped over the guy on the ground and probably got eight to ten more yards. But he was just smashing people around and just going and going and ended up being a hundred plus yards just over one on one. Yeah, and then here's the thing. Like, you know, one thing that obviously Wyoming's gonna want to watch, you know, especially if, if McDonald's up for another game or two is they did struggle a little bit as far as being able to keep the chains moving. There were only three of 12 on third downs. But, you know, going back to the success rate measure, on the year they had come into this game ranked 12th in the country as far as success rate, 50.7%. Do you know where they actually finished in this game as far as that goes? Where did they finish? 52%. 52 percent so they were actually a little bit better with the combination of cordero and Feruda kind of moving the chains being successful here and there on early downs so all right so this game here not a lot of points wyoming's defense did their thing actually let's get to wyoming's offense real quick so tyler vanderwall still not a good quarterback still a work in progress if we're being charitable if Let's just say they, I'm just to say they're glad they have Nico Evans who can actually run the ball now. Twenty four carries, one hundred and ninety two yards. Yeah, and a long of sixty three. He and it, not to say it's why his defense is anything special, but we should give them credit because they've given up a ton of points this year. So despite giving up nearly two hundred yards on the ground to one player, it's crazy. Did you see this? They only gave one carry to somebody else as well. This is mm-hmm. the Nico Evans show, and they wanted to ride him the whole way to get to victory. Um, but Vanderwell, when did he come out? Did he come out in the third quarter, I believe, with that injury? I th- I thought it was in the first half oh, that he got checked out for, I think it was a concussion. Because I had it on mute, so I wasn't really paying attention too much. Well, I was, but that's incorrect phrasing. They didn't have the volume on. He came back into play, so he came out in the for- back in the uh, second half. But he was in and out, wasn't clearly healthy enough. It, like So maybe the 87 yards combo of being banged up and – just picked yeah, up and to, not to clarify it was yeah. in the it was in the second quarter second, early in the second quarter yeah but my point is like you're playing a bad hawaii defense which hasn't done well and you can only do 9 to 16 like they had a one decent pass to james price like a 21 yarder austin fort had a pretty decent day a couple catches 20 yards but if you're running the ball that well how could they not expand the passing game to mix in some play action if you're getting beat that bad by hawaii's uh and hawaii's or excuse me hawaii can't stop that I don't know. It's there was opportunities I thought for them to be able to score points because again, at the end of the game. Let's move to the end here because that was the most exciting part. The fourth quarter, Hawaii goes down, or excuse me, Wyoming goes down, has to kick that field goal. Yeah, and that's something to watch for both of these teams going forward. Yeah. Is the fact that neither of them were particularly good at closing drives. It was points per opportunity. Wyoming had only two points per. Hawaii was only 3.4 points per. So neither of them were particularly good about punching it in. Yeah, the one thing that happened, here's how the game kind of turned. It was 10 to 3. Before that last field goal, I should back up a little bit. Wyoming was pinned deep, field position game, 
Hawaii had to pick six. Huge. They ended up having to uh, – or excuse me, Wyoming did. Sorry. I, why does ESPN put the team when it's an, when it's interception for touchdown? They That's put, a good point. I have no idea. It always kind of throws me for a second that caught me there. So it was 10-3, Wyoming's up. Hawaii has to punt four and out. Okay, three and out essentially. Wyoming gets nothing done. They're pinned way back inside their own 10. So Hawaii gets – they started that final possession – or to tie the game, not final, but at the 33-yard line. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they, I'm, I'm building up here, but they get the touchdown, great. Wyoming then decides to, whatever, downs, punts. They get the ball back. All right, 13-10. All right, what are we going to do? Go to 10-10. They drive down. They get stuck, like, at the six-yard line. They had they had a bad pass. Vanderbilt had to run because pressure came huge for Hawaii and forced that third and, third and six to be a uh, – fourth and five. He got one yard after being just, uh, I forget, I don't know who was chasing him down, but they got the play, good play call. They got the quarterback where he couldn't get the ball downfield. They didn't get enough yards for a first down because they still could have had a first down because it's first and 10 at the 11. Kick the mm-hmm. field goal. All right, 13 to 10. So what's Hawaii going to do? We've seen Hawaii this whole game. Eh, short pass, short pass, incomplete pass, blah, blah, blah. They're bare, They're moving Ever slow, slowly down the field. Two yards here, three yards here, eight yards for the first down. First, second, and thirteen. Let's just chuck it downfield to having a mate. One of the best catches to JoJo Ward of the year. Mm-hmm. Back at the well, corner, that, and that was a busted play. Too. Yeah, it was. He had to uh, bounce out. Uh, I think to the uh, bottom side of the uh, his right side. Sorry, I was trying to yeah. get the screen. He rolls to the right, throws it down, beats the woman guy down the field on a kind of a broken play a little bit. Boom! Touchdown. Then Wyoming, I feel so bad for the Cowboys. The final drive, Matt. They start moving the ball down the field. They could do this. They did get a, a nice pass interference go for them because Hawaii had no chance of uh, catching whoever, the receiver. They move down the field. They can't clock the ball because they run out of timeouts. On uh, fourth and 21, they get the first down, but time runs out. So close. Yeah. Well, I mean, and here's an, here's another thing that I think we both overlooked is I, I forget exactly when it was because it doesn't quite show up on the, on the the play-by-play for this game. But there was one instance, I think it was either in the second or third quarter, where Marcus Epps dropped what would have been a sure pick six. And, like, you, you knew that he knew he would have had a pick six, and he just kind of dropped it. And I think that that was when Wyoming had a lead. I don't remember exactly when, but I think that – if they had been able to hang on to that in the same way that, you know, maybe they had been able to hang on to those kinds of plays last year when they were generating so many turnovers, that was another thing that really changed how this game was because it kept Hawaii, it kept Hawaii in the game more than anything. It certainly did. So does this, so as we've been doing every team so far, just make a difference for either team? I, I'm assuming Hawaii for me. If you don't have Cole McDonald, you're you're in trouble when you play better teams. Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. I mean, I don't think there was as much drop-off as maybe you or I both expected. Man, they've been scoring 40 points a game just about. But they did a lot of things right. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're going to have a chance. They have BYU next week on the road. Mm -hmm. Is that a Friday night game? What's the 13th? Is that Friday or Saturday? I believe that's a Saturday. That is a Saturday game, just making sure. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see how McDonald's back. That'll be, even though BYU isn't great, that'll be a tough one for Hawaii to win against because they're on the road. 
they, any road game for Hawaii is like a trick trek across the country. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're still sitting. Here's the thing. They're six and one. They're undefeated in the conference play. They are three and zero, oh, and they're leading the division or I guess tied with Fresno State technically. No, they're two games up on Fresno State. Fresno State's only one and zero. Oh. Why, Matt? Loss column stuff. Yeah, yeah. Zero losses so far. Mm-hmm. And so, what about Wyoming? Is there anything changed on your end? Because defense is what it was. Offense was what it was. Not good. I mean, not really. I kind of expected coming into the year that they'd be up and down, that the defense would lead the way, the offense would be erratic, and that's more or less what we saw in this game. Because they go to Fresno, host Utah State. Again, if they're going to go to a bowl game, they have to win their final four games. Yeah. At CSU, hosting San Jose State. Air Force now looks a bit more tricky after this past week, but I want to see more. And then maybe a little bit similar thing with New Mexico. So not yet, Cowboys, right? Not yet? Not yet. Let me tell you this. The football power index matchup predictor, Wyoming versus New Mexico, who do you think the favorite is? Um, I would uh, – At New Mexico, on the road. At New Mexico. I would maybe say New Mexico 55%. 60%. Interesting. 60. I was going to say New Mexico State just because we're here. Yeah, it's a blowout. 83% for Wyoming. <laughs> Anything else we'd add? I think we've done an adequate job this week. No crashing. Way, can we- can we give a shout-out to uh, Kaimana Padello? What did they do this week? What is the shout-out for? Uh, well, he had two sacks in the win against Wyoming. True. He is now number one in the Mountain West as, as far as sacks. Should he be our guy we look at for to be defensive player of the year? I mean, I think now he's in the conversation. That's one of the really interesting things about this sack list. Like, if how many, I, I would guess that... You know, of the five guys who have four more sacks so far this year, you might be able to guess two of them. Well, I'm looking at it now, so I'm not going to guess. But Malik Reed would be a safe pick, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody else: Durant, Miles, Boise State, probably not. Uh, Tipa Galia, Utah State, also the pick six versus BYU, mm-hmm. and then New Mexico. <laughs> Sorry to laugh, but New Mexico with uh, Roshan Epting. Roshan Epting. He's been good. He has been. So there's a yeah, there's some good players on the list. It's well, a We'll keep an eye on it, right? There is a lot of season left. And and I think if this if this week tells us anything, it's that anything is possible. True. Any if you're a quarterback, you might you might get to play next week too. Yeah, you may want to get ready. Know, maybe maybe take it easy a little loosen, bit during the week. Loosen up the arm every now and then. Yeah. Cause uh, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a piece up on quarterback stuff because it's been a crazy quarterback season this year. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that's it for our show tonight. Uh, check us out, mwwire.com. Um, Facebook, same thing, Mount Wire, MWC Wire. Thank you for to show up on Twitter. Also, every Sunday morning, we put the question out. Tell us how you feel. It's still time. Tell us how, how you feel about your team. Apparently, Matt, I put out um, my, my I put out my personal top ten for our power or top twelve. Mm-hmm. Apparently, for, some Fresno State fans do like do not like that I put them third. Well, if it makes them feel better, I put Fresno State first. That'll counterbalance, right? Yeah, I think so. And there, there's plenty of argument to made for the three teams, I believe. I mean, I think at this point it's pretty clear that there's a top five and then there's everybody else. You put Hawaii in that top five for sure? Oh, yeah. I know they're I six mean, and one, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still have them at five personally. Me too. But I think that you could make a pretty convincing argument for you know, anybody in there. And it just kind of depends on how you slice it, you know whether it's what they've done so far, what you still expect them to do, and so on. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear there's a top five. I just have Fresno State at the top because I tend to stick to my preseason predictions when I do these kinds of things. Also, there is still one voter at the moment, last time I checked, who has Hawaii number one. There you go. That's uh, that's fair. Go for it. All right, folks. So download uh, tw- not Twitter. Yeah, da- if you want Twitter, download it. Sure, follow us if you do so. But go to uh, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. Tell a couple friends. Um, tell them like, hey. You want to hear about some guys who can't pronounce names talking about West? No, one guy who can't pronounce oh, names and another, and another guy who <laughs> corrects him. Very fair point. That's me who cannot say names sometimes. Eh, 60% no, 40% yes. All right, so that's, that's a good way to end the show. So we'll see you guys next time when we talk week seven. And we're near the midway point now. Have a good one, everybody.